Welcome to the Connection Chat Podcast, where we talk about all things mental health. We believe that connecting with others through honest conversation is our greatest tool in breaking down the stigma that is often associated with mental illness. My name is Lawrence Apolvador, and today we're going to be having one of those conversations. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this week of the Connection Chat Podcast. This week, I have Dr. Garza here with us. Hi, Shauna. Hi there. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Garza has her own podcast, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I'll go ahead and give all of you listeners an introduction. So Shauna Garza, MD, is an adolescent medicine physician and the clinic director of Girls to Women, Young Men's Health and Wellness in McKinney, Texas. It's a multidisciplinary adolescent medicine practice offering comprehensive medical and mental health care to teenagers and young people aged 10 to 25 years old. Dr. Garza has 16 years of experience working with children, teens, and young adults. She is very involved in the community with several different professional groups related to mental health and eating disorders. She also hosts a podcast called Total Teen Health and Wellness, a doctor's guide for parents. Well, Welcome, Dr. Garza. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, let's dive right in. Um, what inspired you to do the work that you do now? What I love most about being an adolescent medicine physician are my patients. I learn from them every day. And what I see myself as is a guide for them to learn to be healthy and really be um, balanced adults. You know, teenage years are a time of transition. They're growing from childhood to adulthood. And our role as adolescent medicine doctors is to help guide them along that growth and development. Um, our practice is very unique that we offer a niche practice that only focuses on caring for teens. And so we hope that our practice is a safe space and a medical home where they are getting their needs addressed and really just focusing on everything that affects teens these days. Yeah, that's great that you're able to specialize with such a specific age range and group. So that way that, you know, you have so much experience and really know what that age group is going through Mm -hmm. in these current times. So how does your practice ensure holistic and collaborative collaborative care. So one thing I always say to my new patients is that I offer holistic care by taking care of the whole person. I know that there are many different factors that can affect patients and how they feel. And some of that can be mental health factors, medical issues, hormonal issues. And so my job as their physician is to see the whole picture and try to put that all together and how I'm caring for them. And so that really is the holistic piece. The comprehensive and collaborative piece has to do with how we practice in our clinics, which is with a team approach. And so there are physicians and medical providers, but we also have therapists, we have dietitians, psychologists, academic coaches, even acupuncture at my McKinney location, Mm. where we try to offer services for all of the types of needs our patients may have. Yeah, that definitely sounds very unique and like something I haven't really heard about before. And it's really looking at the whole patient Mm -hmm. and that holistic care, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, And you shared off air that the majority of your new patients are dealing with anxiety. So what are some coping skills and self-care skills that you recommend to manage that? Mm -hmm. Anxiety is at all-time high. We know that in teens. And some of the basic things that teens can do day-to-day make a real difference in helping them manage that anxiety and feel better. So we have a concept in our practice we talk about, which is general self-care. And it's really self-care of the body, which is focusing on those daily health habits that make a real difference 
in improving patients' health and how they feel. The basics are getting enough sleep. Many teens are not sleeping enough, and that affects their mental health and Mm -hmm. can worsen their anxiety. And so really brainstorming with teens ways for them to get better sleep and more sleep so that they're improving their mental health by through that basic self-care. Um, another piece is nutrition. So many patients are skipping meals and we all know, and I talk about this with patients, if they've ever felt hangry before. And I tell them that, of course, that's not a medical diagnosis, but they can relate to how that feels. Mm-hmm. And again, that shows them that maintaining adequate nutrition is going to help them feel better and feel less irritable and on edge. And then the third piece of self-care of the body is exercise. And so having exercise and physical movement as a healthy outlet for stress mm-hmm. can be you know, a health habit that they can build and carry forward into their young adult lives. So these basics of reviewing how they live day to day can help improve their self-care and help them be better able to manage stress. And as far as healthy coping skills go, uh, coping skills relate more to how they react to stress. And so having them really identify what they've tried before Mm -hmm. that's helped them feel better or maybe things they'd be willing to try makes, um, you know, is a, is an option for them to, to uh, have, you know, good skills to turn to, to feel less stressed. And those can be things like journaling, meditation, deep breathing exercises, Mm -hmm. um, different drawing and creative outlets, even pet therapy we talk about, you know, spending time with their pets. These are things we actually talk about in our medical visits when patients have anxiety is them seeing what they have in their day-to-day life that they can turn to and and use to feel better. Um, I also advocate for them to connect with a therapist because therapy for teens really focuses on this idea of building healthy coping skills. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the main goals I have for patients in therapy is to identify what works for them so that they can and, you know, rely on that. And unfortunately, in our practice, we see some patients that aren't dealing with anxiety in a healthy way and maybe turning to harmful things. And then, of course, that causes its own list of problems and distress. And so, mm-hmm. you know, being proactive in patients really and being empowered for patients to find what they can do day to day that's going to help them feel better and reduce their anxiety. Yeah, what an amazing opportunity for teens that are in high school to be able to learn these coping skills, establish a self-care routine. So that Mm -hmm. way when they go to college or have stressful life events, they are prepared and are better able to cope than if they didn't get this help previously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that mental health is brain health Mm -hmm. when we were emailing about this episode. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I focus on mental health as brain health in my practice, really in how I approach mental health medically. I try to explain that to patients because it helps them better understand our treatment approaches and also, I believe, reduces stigma around them receiving mental health care. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may know, the teen brain is developing and it's not fully mature until they're 25 years old or so. And then also teens are going through lots of different puberty changes and these hormonal changes have an impact on the brain. So during that time, the brain is developing and it may affect brain function and brain chemistry, and that can increase the rates and kind of risk of mental health issues. So explaining that to patients helps them see kind of why they feel the way they do and better understand our plan and recommendations for treatment. 
Also, a piece that relates to brain health is the genetic and family histories that patients may have. So a lot of families have strong patterns of mental health issues in their family, and that really relates to the brains that are that they're inheriting from their parents. And so by them realizing that, that uh, helps them see that their um, mental health is not so much about choices and behaviors, but mm-hmm. more about how their brain is functioning at that time. And sometimes, you know, parents can be resistant to our discussions around medication treatment. And I try to describe to them that, you know, if we were to identify a concern with another ailment, some type of illness that we know would improve with medication, you might be open to trying Mm -hmm. that um, because it would help you feel better. And so this is really in line with that, that there are medication options that can address these brain health issues that can really help improve patients' lives and how they feel and, and ultimately reduce anxiety. Yeah. I love mm. all of that messaging around normalizing getting help and mm-hmm. that it's brain health and that if it was any kind of other illness or issue with your body, mm-hmm. you would be so much quicker to fix it possibly. Mm-hmm. But because we can't see other people's brains and mm-hmm. mental health issues, it can be so much harder to describe mm-hmm. when needing to get help. Yes, exactly. And how can one man maintain brain health? Well, so it goes back to those self-care strategies and really being diligent, diligent about maintaining them as far as the sleep, nutrition, and exercise. And so we just kind of drill that into the patients at every visit, whether I'm seeing a patient for a preventive well visit, we talk about those things. And every visit for mental health evaluation and follow-up, I'm asking specifically around how are they sleeping? How is their appetite? How are their eating patterns? What type of movement are they getting? And giving recommendations around that. So that really is the focus of maintaining good brain balance in these teen years. That's so special. Honestly, listening to you talk about this, Mm -hmm. I wish that I had a doctor like Mm -hmm. this when I was a teen because I can tell you that none of my doctors were asking me those questions, Mm -hmm. to be honest. So I think it's just so amazing the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. with these teens. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And um, you're the host of a podcast yourself. So where did the desire come from to start your own podcast? Mm So, you know, part of my role as a physician is to provide education and guidance, and that's really a central piece of my work in adolescent medicine. So the podcast kind of stemmed from that. It's another platform for me to provide education, really focusing on guiding parents through different medical and mental health issues that may be affecting their children and young mm-hmm. adult children. Um, so the goal I have with it is for parents to be informed and to be empowered to help their children live healthy and balanced lives. And that's an ongoing process. It's obviously not a one-step process. And and so I always treat parents as expert on their own children's lives Mm -hmm. and that, you know, they come from a place of unconditional love and support and, you know, essentially wanting to support their children in that, in that in that growth. Yes. Um, and I've checked out your episodes. You have a wide variety of topics, which is so great for parents to be able to have that resource and to mm-hmm. listen. I saw that you had one on marijuana, teen use, um, mm-hmm. anxiety, and all these different things. So I can imagine that's been really helpful for parents. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Connection Chat Podcast. We are hiring a Connections Wellness Group for all of our locations and for clinicians that are wanting to see in-person clients, but also willing to do a hybrid of in-person and virtual. We are in search of fully licensed clinicians, such as LPCs, LMFTs, and LSCSWs. If you are interested in applying for these positions, please send your resume to cwghr at connectionswellnessgroup.com.
So when working with teens, what are some examples of unhealthy coping skills mm-hmm. that you see? Mm-hmm. So this is a really common reason for a visit in my office where parents are bringing their children in with concerns for how they are coping in harmful and unhealthy ways. Many teens will turn to other things to cope with anxiety and other mental health feelings. They may turn to substance use where they're using vaping, for example, alcohol, marijuana, and other substances as a way to escape and numb their feelings that they're having. And they may turn to self-harm. And self-harm, uh, patients and parents get very concerned about um, with the concern that is this something related to like suicidal thoughts even. But patients are using self-harm and scratching and cutting as a way of coping with anxiety often. Mm-hmm. Um, they can turn to eating disorder thoughts and behaviors as a way of coping with anxiety. Um, another Example would be um, risky sexual behaviors mm-hmm. and choices. And so all of these things have real consequences for the patient's physical and mental health. And, you know, they may feel a temporary relief of their anxiety or other negative mental health feelings, but we know that it causes them to have more problems and more distress and other issues as a result of, mm-hmm. of not being able to cope in a, in a healthy way. Yeah, that instant gratification comes mm-hmm. with very heavy price um, long term and being able to help them get those healthy coping skills mm-hmm. to help in the future. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned substance use. That's obviously a prevalent topic with teens. Mm-hmm. So um, what have you found in your work with that? So one thing that comes up a lot is marijuana use. And there's a lot of misconception around marijuana because many patients and even parents don't think it's that big of a deal. Mm. You know, it's legalized in lots of states for recreational use. Patients have pretty easy access to it. And they think, well, what's the difference of that with drinking, for example? The reason it's such a concern in teens is that marijuana affects the developing brain. So when patients use marijuana at young ages and their brain is still changing and maturing and developing, it can actually impact brain development. Mm. There have been long-term studies that patients that use marijuana heavily during that time have higher risk of very serious mental illnesses in their later years. And these are illnesses like schizophrenia and other really debilitating illnesses. And so, you know, a 15 and 16 year old is not thinking about what impact that may have on their mental health long term. Um, it's also been shown to decrease IQ. And so mm-hmm. there are studies that patients can lose up to 10 points of IQ from heavy marijuana use. And so again, when patients are using things in a sh- for a short term fix, they're mm-hmm. not really considering these long term consequences. And then in the immediate there are negative effects. Marijuana can increase anxiety and irritability. It can increase paranoia. Um, It has a depressant effect, so it can worsen depression. So, you know, again, it may be an escape in the short term, Mm -hmm. but even in, you know, the closer short term, immediate term, Mm -hmm. it can have negative effects on their mental health. And so part of my role in education of for teens is helping them understand that there is real risk. This is not something that's just for fun or just with their friends, that it can have a real negative impact on their mental health and their brain health long term. 
Mm. And that's so difficult because like you said, it's so much easier to get access to these things than even just five, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like just the amount of stores and Snapchat with mm-hmm. drug use. I've read articles on mm-hmm. that and it's just really scary. So to be able to hear the real term effects, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that that alarms parents. Yeah. Another piece that I was just um, thinking of is that marijuana can also increase the risk for addiction to other substances. So that's another myth is patients will say, well, it's not an addictive substance. And so, you know, that I'm not going to get addicted to marijuana. Um, And there are patients that can get physically addicted because the marijuana interacts and THC, excuse me, interacts with brain chemistry and with brain receptors. And it actually sets up a pathway in the brain that predisposes patients to higher risk of dependence to other substances Mm -hmm. by activating the reward pathway in the brain, which is like the dopamine pathway. So that is a real concern when you have young people that you know, maybe using heavily and and leading them down that path, it could be very negative for them. Yeah. And as mm-hmm. you mentioned, there's so much misinformation out there and it's difficult whenever it's so glamorized mm-hmm. in social media mm-hmm. on TV and movies and has become legalized in so many states as well. So mm-hmm. it seems like it's really an uphill battle with working at teens. Yeah, it is. The other real concern we have with substance use is this fentanyl um, exposure mm-hmm. risk. And so, you know, this is becoming also a real concern with recreational drugs because even marijuana that patients are getting through Snapchat and other avenues may be having traces of fentanyl that could be lethal. And so, you know, that's the other real risk is not just what's happening with their mental health and their brain health, but Mm -hmm. what, you know, they don't really know what they're getting when they're buying things illicitly or quote on the street. Um, You know, with the fentanyl risk, the, the other thing that patients, you know, may experiment with are taking prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And so prescription drugs may be diverted where they're getting them from parents or from other, you know, prescription sources, but many times they're buying counterfeit uh, pills Mm -hmm. that are counterfeit for Xanax and other narcotics. And those also can have traces of fentanyl that again, patients don't know what they're taking and there can be very lethal reactions. Yes. Thank Mm. you for bringing that up. Honestly, I was thinking about that as well. And it Mm. seems like that's something that people are just recently finding out Mm -hmm. about, um, in mainstream, but it's been an ongoing since the, since COVID Mm -hmm. is really when it seems like the dust spiked. Um, but I want to recommend a documentary for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's only 20 minutes long. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's called dead on arrival. Mm -hmm. And it really looks into, um, teen use and the serious effects of just the tiniest amount of fentanyl. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I'm actually connected with a a woman in McKinney who runs a drug treatment program, and they do free testing of drugs um, for fentanyl. And so they've just taken um, lots of different samples, and they found fentanyl across the board and like everything that's currently available on the black market or, you know, on the street market. So you know, pills and marijuana is just, it's a real risk. And of course, teens don't realize that when Mm -hmm. they're turning to that as a way of coping. Um, If you could leave a message for listeners today, what would you say about um, general health and mental health as well? Again, this idea that mental health is brain health and that, you know, working on some of the simple things that teens are doing day to day can make a real difference in improving their mental health. 
Our practice offers a safe space for patients to get mental health care and, you know, understanding that there are lots of different tools that can help patients improve their anxiety. And, you know, we're here to help guide them through that process. Absolutely. So where can listeners learn more or schedule an appointment at your practice and all of those things? Mm -hmm. So uh, our website is the best place to find information about our practice with our different locations and services that we have available. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Garza, Mm -hmm. for coming on the podcast today. I know that I learned a lot listening to you today, and I know that our listeners will as well. Um, And thank you so much for the work that you do. It's Mm -hmm. not easy, and it's so clear that you care so much about your patients and the work that you do by having your own podcast and by being here and getting information out. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Connections Chat Podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast on your platform of choice to receive updates on our latest episodes. As our community is growing, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a review. If this episode resonated with you, please share and start the conversation with your network or support system. And together, we continue to break through the stigma surrounding mental illness.